Welcome to the first episode of On The Record. I'm Jason Tebb, Chief Executive of On The Market. And over the course of this first season of podcasts, I'm going to be talking to the innovators in our sector to discuss their journey in the industry, their views on PropTech, and their opinions on how adopting new technology can benefit every agent. I'm really pleased to say I'm joined today by the legend, I think I can call you that, Bob, the legend that is Bob Scarf, MD of Coolwell, and widely regarded, I think, as estate agency royalty now, to be honest. Welcome, Bob. It's really good to have you on our first episode. Great to have you with us. And I'm really pleased that you've agreed to be our first guest. There's lots of folks out there who can think of a few other words for me, I'm sure, but I'll settle for either legendary or royalty, whichever you prefer. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Bob maybe move on. But for those who are listening who may not be familiar with you and your history and your story, maybe just give us a summary of your illustrious career to date and maybe an update on what you're doing now as well might be useful. So I left school at the age of 18 and became an estate agent pretty much straight away, worked for the same company for the best part of 40 years, started training sales negotiator with a small independent firm in Milton Keynes called Taylor's. And through a succession of all of the various takeovers and mergers and stuff that happened over the following years, I ended up running the estate agency and financial services division from 2008 to when I left in 2015. When I left, it had 1,000 branches and 650 mortgage consultants. I left in 2015 and frankly didn't really know what I was going to do next. It was completely unexpected, but I bumped into a fella called Rob who had a piece of kit that turns emails into phone calls, emails, and text messages. And it was so much better than anything else I'd ever seen, either in Countrywide or elsewhere. He and I decided that we'd go into business together. And he and I own a business called Callwell. Great. Thank you. We'll chat a bit about Callwell in a few minutes. Cast your mind back, if you can, to those days before property technology. I'm old enough just about to remember it. But in those days before PropTech, before CRM, maybe even before Portal, what was your daily routine like in the office? And what were the things that you think were so important that you learned back then that we still need to remind ourselves today? Well, I think a lot of the things that we did then, good agents still do to this day. I mean, a a theme I think you'll find a lot of People of my generation will talk about prop tech as having made people lazy. And I, and I certainly can think of many examples of that in a state agency. But good agents have used technology to do the old things even better than they ever used to be done uh, in the past. So it, it would be too simple to say that it's made everybody lazy. The daily routine, frankly, always kicked off with a morning meeting. And I suspect that's much the case nowadays at a branch level. The differences will be in those days, a branch manager sat at the desk with two or three people gathered around him. And I will say him because 40 years ago, it was very rare to find a woman in charge of a branch wrongly. But there we are. That's what the world was like in those days. And they would be gathered around and they wouldn't have a computer square. They wouldn't even the only screens that any of them had ever seen would be on TVs at home. They'd have a paper diary they'd have a paper message book and they'd have a tray full of applicants from the day before and a tray full of take-ons, as they would have been called in those days, rather than valuations, the take-ons for today. And basically, the process of a morning meeting was all around making sure that all of the opportunities that we'd been given the day before had been fully exploited. All of the appointments had been carried out well, and what was the outcome? Had all of the messages been dealt with? 
And then for today, what viewing appointments, what valuation appointments, and take on appointments have we got lined up for today? So it's all about, did we get the most out of yesterday, and are we going to get the most out of today? Now, the other big difference, of course, between those days and now is that although people talk about how the portals replaced newspapers, newspapers, for the most part, were not the most important thing that an agent did. They was in some parts of the world, I'll grant you, some of the big cities, you know, the day that, I remember when I first started working in Coventry in 1990, when the Coventry Evening Telegraph hit the doormats on a Wednesday evening, which was property day. You could hear when it had started to happen because the phone started to ring straight away. But in large chunks of the country, it wasn't really about that. It was about keeping an applicant record, keeping a book, a box, whatever it was, with a bit of paper or card, and phoning out new instructions. I mean, at the minute, one of the areas in which I think some agents do get lazy is that they rely on alerts to tell people, either off their own website or off of one of the portals, they rely on the alerts to tell people about new instructions. Whereas in the old days, if you didn't pick up the phone and tell people about your new instructions, your price reductions and your back-ons, then there was no other way of telling them. And and it, it literally was all about getting viewing. I totally agree with everything you said I, I remember the days of getting out my applicant box and you know calling through those applicants you flipped over the back of the card did you have cards or bits of paper i had cards then yeah like a in a, in a little box in a little box yeah in a little box little box you used to flick through and you used to pick up your card and you would it had a star on it if there was a local property to sell if it didn't have a star on it then there might be a property to sell but it just wasn't in the local area you'd flip it over you'd see the last viewings that took place on the properties that you booked for them, you saw a bit of feedback on the right-hand side. And on this little section at the bottom, there was the really juicy stuff, the history, the stuff that helped you build rapport, you know, what, what they did for a living, whether they had pets or kids, and if they were open to a different type of location, whether they would compromise on size, location, condition or price or one or two of those things. And it really was a, a sort of visual representation for me. And it was that that really helped me build the rapport and get to know my applicants. I think sometimes that in a, in a reactive market that you've just described where a property's listed, the calls come in, you're booking viewings, you become a phone booker. Sometimes that rapport building is really hard to do if you don't get to learn enough about that applicant. Yeah, I can't remember I ever went into that much detail over soft facts, but they were definitely places for it. You know, you, you, you definitely find people scribbling notes at the bottom. Particularly, I mean, the area I worked in at the time, in and around Milton Keynes, an enormous amount of influx from people relocating. So whether or not somebody was a relocator was a big factor because it would, again, in those days, it meant that they'd have some fairly meaningful relocation package behind them, which basically meant them an unencumbered buyer. And they were like gold dust. If you had an inquiry from a buyer like that and you looked after them better than any other agent had looked after them, then you were definitely going to sell a house to those people. It just you didn't know, know which one which one yet. Of course, that's the other big difference. And to be fair to the modern generation, listing was a much simpler then. The documentary process was much simpler. Money laundering hadn't been heard of. Mm. In fact, in, when I very first started, you didn't even need to get the vendor's signature on anything. You just needed to have verbally confirmed what your fee was, and off you went. But the other big factor, and I suppose they, go, they sort of go together, is that multi-agency, particularly where I worked at the time, was far more of a thing than it is now. And I think to this day, the biggest difference between what I would say a good agent and a bad agent is how much difference is there between what they promise the vendor 
standing or sitting in their living room and what they actually deliver. And I suspect in too many cases, the difference between what they promise they're going to do and what they actually do is too great. And I think that's probably nothing to do with the internet and property portal, but it is to do with the change in mentality where so much more of the properties that are on the market now are on sole agency. Because in the old days, if you promised a vendor you'd do ABC and you didn't do it, then within a week, you'd have lost the instruction to another agent, or at least another agent would also have it on multi-agency. Mm. And I think that alone made an enormous difference to the urgency with which people dealt with these things. Mm. Mm. It's interesting. And I think that you know, one of the things that I always carried through with me in my agency career was always aim to exceed expectations, not meet them. You know, try and exceed a, a customer's expectations. Yeah, It, it is from a perspective of where the market is now, it's probably not hard to meet expectations in terms of the volume of viewings, the number of applicants that call. I think the exceeding element is managing a sale or a tenancy through to successful move-in or exchange and completion. That's where the real challenge is now, I think, rather than necessarily finding a buyer or a tenant. Yeah, finding the right buyer there. That's, I mean, it's easy just getting, particularly in a market like we've had for the last two or three years, it's easy getting the number of viewings, but you probably promised that vendor that after every viewing, you'd give them a feedback call or you'd email them something or send a text message or whatever people do nowadays, but you'd give them feedback every time. And of course, the world is, you know, frankly, people, they either don't bother or they forget. And it's been, things have been so busy. I do understand why it's difficult to keep on top of absolutely everything, but you did promise that vendor you would give them feedback every time. And even if it doesn't make a big difference, because what are you worried about? The vendor still got five grand over the asking price from the, the 16th person that viewed it, etc. Does it really matter? Well, it sort of does, because it kind of leaves a slightly sour taste in the mouth of the vendor, because you didn't actually do what you said you'd do. And, and particularly when it comes to you know, paying your fee and arguing about you know that old thing about you sell a house too fast, you have problems with you getting your fee and if you sell it too slowly you have problems getting your fee um what you know okay well you missed a vendor when would you like me to tell me that i've sold your house in well leave it a secret for a week and tell you in a week's time so you can't win but you're a better better chance of winning if you delivered what you said you would deliver i think the other thing is interesting that people talk about the modern generation they don't like to speak on the telephone well if that's true then there's a lot of people who aren't going to end up being very very good estate agents because if you can't talk to somebody properly if you can't get what they want, get what you want out of a relationship by talking to them, then you're pretty stuck. And I think the biggest example of that for me, nobody's come to any harm with this yet, is the fact that the majority of offers that I've experienced and people I've spoken to and things I've seen, the majority of offers are negotiated now by email or text message. And obviously people like the onlineers, the no-frills agents, have sort of fed into that because they actually facilitate it so that that's exactly how you do it. That's what people want. And I'm sure in some people that is what people want. Mm. But unless you've got the fight story, unless you've got a little bit of colour to add, a little bit of persuasion, good old-fashioned persuasion, explaining your circumstances, I'm sure there are many, many deals that haven't happened because an agent, a proper agent, didn't get involved in the negotiation. Yeah. Now, as I say, at the minute, probably nobody's been harmed by it because everything's been going so crazy, particularly the last two years, 
that the most difficult thing with dealing with offers isn't isn't closing the deal, it's it's trying to not upset all of the purchasers when they don't get the thing that they wanted. Yeah. When the market turns, and it won't be if, when the market turns, that forgotten art of negotiation will still be alive and well in many, many agents, but I'm afraid it will have been lost in amongst a load of emails and text messages rather than speaking to people. When I started, you weren't even allowed to put in an offer verbally over the phone. You had to go and see the vendor. Unless the vendor lived outside of the area, an empty house and they lived away. And even then, my boss would expect to see the file with the address of the person where they were living to prove to him that it was in somewhere else. In every other case, you had to go and see the vendor. And although maybe that isn't necessary now, Mm. the modern day equivalent would certainly be having a Zoom call, a video call with every vendor. And actually, that's a great example of how modern technology makes old-fashioned things better because you're still getting to see them. You're still getting to see their body language. They're getting to see your body language. You're able to discuss the thing properly and talk to more than one party at the same time. But you haven't got to get in your car and drive for 20 minutes to somewhere and they're not in, they have to knock on the door and come back. So that is a great example of how modern technology can make an old way of doing things even better than it was in the past. Unfortunately, I suspect that too many agents probably just send them an email. Yeah. Those people that came around last night offered so much. What do you think? And of course, as I say, at the minute, it hasn't really mattered because deals have been done anyway. Yeah. But at some stage in the future, that might that might change as, as, as in market cycles. It always does. You're listening to On The Record, the On The Market podcast with me, your host, Jason Tebb, and my guest this week, Bob Scarf. And we've been talking about how estate agency has changed over the years and the ways technology is transforming the industry. Moving on from PropTech now, we speak to Bob about his career and the lessons he's learned along the way. Talk to me about Callwell in a few seconds, if you can, and what does it do and why do agents need it? If you don't believe in talking to new inquiries to properly qualify them, then actually you probably don't need it. But if you do believe, particularly in sales, I accept that in lettings, there may not be as much need to talk to somebody because it's less of an emotional thing than it is with a purchase. But if you believe that you're only going to find out the real backstory, the real motivations, find out really what this person is about by talking to them, then you absolutely need Callwell. Because... Emails come in from on the market, from Rightmove, from Zoopla, from the agent's own website. They disappear off into an inbox. Everybody thinks that someone else has dealt with it or it just gets ignored. It gets lost amongst all of the other stuff. And that is the only reason I can be able to come up with both in the last five or six years and when I had a job dealing with a thousand branches. It's the only reason I can explain why these things got missed. So Callwell takes all of those emails puts them in one place so that branch staff only have to look in one place to see all of their incoming customer emails. And what we're really known for is turning those incoming emails into the opportunity to create an immediate phone call back to that customer. Not by call centre, although if the agents themselves have a call centre, that's a done matter. But it's not my people ringing your customers, it's your people ringing your customers, and particularly with evaluation where They've probably asked two or three agents at the same time. In fact, with many of the ABM products that are available on the portals, it absolutely is going to go to more than one agent at the same time. You want to be quick off the mark and you want to make sure that you're talking to them. But I would say with all types of leads, 
a quick phone call. The immediate phone call is important. However, if you don't completely agree to that and you don't want to ring every person, you only want to ring valuations, or you only want to ring those people that have got, they've said they've got a house to sell, or you only want to ring first-time buyers, then you don't have to have the phone call every time. You can either have nothing, or you can have a text message straight away and a phone call. You can have an email straight away and a phone call. You can play games with your opening hours, and you can decide to do different things at weekends, different things at overnight. So over the last five or six years, we've developed enormously into a situation where it literally does do whatever you want it to do at the front end, whether you're a lettings agent who doesn't really want to talk to anybody until they've passed a few tests right through to a sales agent who wants to speak to absolutely everybody as quickly as possible after they've sent in their email inquiry. Great. We believe the digital age has sped up communication and believe it's made more efficient. There is nothing more valuable than a telephone call or a face-to-face and the, the phone calls, which sadly, I'm sure maybe aren't as prevalent in some businesses, some agents, and some probably outside of the sector too. But the amount of things you learn within 10 seconds on a phone call that you wouldn't learn in 10 minutes on an email is phenomenal. And you're building that opportunity to really get your personality across, which is after all, maybe potential sellers, landlords, buyers, and tenants repeatedly say they go with agents that they trust the most, the ones they instinctively trust. It's very hard to gain trust on an email. It's very easy to get your personality across on the phone. So I think it's a great product and thank you for describing and I wish you well with it. I'm going to move just because we're coming towards the tail end of our first podcast. I want to talk about some other points and some other questions that I had for you really around your career, because it's been a long one and a career with lots of highlights. And I just wondered from your perspective, what do you think is the best career advice you've been given? It's corny. But the harder you work, the luckier you'll get. One mantra that's kept me going all these years and took me from being a branch manager to an area manager and all the rest of it. People look back on their careers and how oh, you know I got lucky, you know, I went from this job to that job. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually because you flipping worked hard every step of the way. And I think probably the other thing is and maybe this is a slight dig at some people's perception of the modern generation, is don't be afraid to make a mistake. If you cock it up, depending upon what the consequences are, you might get a big kick up the backside. You might get a little kick up the backside. You might just get the mickey taken out of you. You might just get a funny look from somebody. But it doesn't matter. What matters is, did you bother to analyze? This is where people go wrong. Did you bother to analyze how it happened? And have you now put a trigger in the back of your head to make sure that when that same scenario presents itself, you'll react in the right way and do the right thing and not make that same mistake again. And although I can't actually say I've never made the same mistake twice, I've certainly not made the same mistake four times. I might have made the other one three times, but every single one of those has always been a learning point. So yeah, I think that's probably the two most important things I've learned. How about you? How about you? Oh, how about me? I mentioned it earlier, actually, but I think I was always told very early, you know, exceed expectations. Don't just match them, exceed them. Always be thinking about how you can differentiate yourself from others to be memorable and create a lasting impression with your potential clients, with your customers. And so I suppose from a really early stage, I always thought, how can I be different? How can I be memorable? How can I really create that lasting impression with my customers, my clients? And I think in an industry which, as probably as technology has developed, it's harder to get your personality across. Learning those lessons so early on in my career were probably massively valuable. And I still keep them today. I'm still now always thinking about angles around 
you know, how can we make this different as a proposition to our new customer base? You know, how can my staff differentiate themselves on on their own conversations they're having? So I think that was really great advice from the individual who gave me that many years ago, 20 years ago now. We're running out of time. Time has flown, but thank you so much, Bob, for joining us. And it's been really good to chat to you and hear your insights and your views on not just the sector, but on lots of things besides. We're going to add the links to Callwell in our social channels and in the notes below if any of our listeners would like to find out more. Don't forget you can keep up to date with our next episodes by following us at onthemarket.com on Twitter. You can follow us on all the other social channels too, LinkedIn and Instagram, or search for On The Record in your podcast app and then hit the follow button. But just remains for me to say again, Bob, thank you so much. Really nice to speak. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much.